Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And now, it's time for Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Welcome to Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Still important. Still a podcast. Yeah. Sometimes about Hollywood. The outer edges of show business. Yes. Hollywood adjacent. East Hollywood. Very, very East. The less prestigious part of Hollywood. I'm Jesse Gaskell. That's Mike Sweeney. Hello. Hi. And uh, we're excited to be back with you. We have a great show today. We do. A wonderful guest. So uh, we have champagne on ice. Do you have the house to yourself right now? Are you... Is your wife traveling? Uh, my wife was on a book tour. Yeah. She wrote a book, uh, her second novel. Her second book. Yeah, and it came out in paperback. She went on a little paperback tour. And she went to eight cities. She's two for two of getting books published. She is two for two, yes. Amazing. She went back to school uh, when the kids were older mm-hmm. and and wrote a novel. And it, it was a best-selling novel. And it blew up. And now it's going to be a TV show, right? It's in development, as they say. So, Excuse me, yes. You know. I don't want to jinx anything. No. And she's very, you know, clear-eyed about that because she kind of knows the the rate of success for things that are sold to be made into a TV show or a movie. You know, so she's like, well, if it happens, that's fantastic. Well, that's healthy. And if it doesn't, uh, it's not a big deal because her main passion is is writing books. That's nice since that's yeah, yes. her career. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Although, you know, I've been talking to a lot of other writers mm-hmm. uh, in the WGA, yeah. the Writers Guild, and it seems like now the trend for people that are buying TV shows yeah. is that it has to be based in an existing IP or intellectual property. So really, networks aren't buying anything unless it's rooted in some sort of existing work and so people are even starting to like reverse engineer that where they think oh i've got this great idea for a pilot but they're not going to buy it as a pilot so i have to write a novel (laughs) about this story and try to get it published wait you're kidding you've i'm not kidding at all oh wow this is a conversation that i heard recently which sounds like so much work my god i'm I know you're speechless. I'm speechless. Okay. <laughs> well, we have to start giving advice. Tell everyone to start writing novels. And that's yeah, the way so into show business. Stop listening to this podcast. Right. Can we write a short story? No. <laughs> it needs to be a multi-generational. 70 pages. What? Yeah. What is the length that makes something a novel versus a short story? Oh, uh, well, there's a novella, right? Yeah. I mean, I always feel like novellas are like... 120 pages or less, kind of, okay. sort of. I think if you can get up to close to 200 pages, you've okay. then they just go, it's a short novel. I wrote a book when I was in fourth grade. Yeah. It was 12 pages. Okay. What is, what is that? <laughs> well, 
It also correlates to how old you are. So if you were in mm. fourth grade, 12 pages is, is like writing the Odyssey. Piece. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> epic. That was an epic it piece of work. It felt that way. It was four chapters. Yeah. Each three pages. And was it based on, was it all make ups or? It was based on the, the girl that uh, was bullying me at school. Oh, get out. And it was sort of like a fan fiction that bad things started happening to her. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Oh, that fits you perfectly. <laughs> like, I bet you were still... I was like, oh, I'm getting my revenge. Right. But to her face, you're just like... Ah, ah, uh, you're, you're you hilarious. didn't hit me on this side of my face. Yeah. Meanwhile, back to my poison pen book. Oh, yes. I still have the manuscript. And once it was done, obviously you wanted her mm-hmm. to know about it and read about it. Did that I ever don't think come I about? did. I just really? I shoved it away. And then I never, I never owned up to it. I never got the best of her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's probably a high-powered CEO now. Right. right. So you, you don't you lost track with her. I did, yeah. I should look her up though. No, don't look I don't her know up. I her last name. She no. was also going out with my crush too. So it was like In fourth grade? Yes. Wow, you you went to a fast school. <laughs> and she was like I mean, what did you hot. really miss out on in fourth grade? It's not yeah, like Yeah, no, I know. They were holding Damn, hands. I could have gone bowling with him. I think maybe they kissed on the lips one time at a party. Okay. I picture them kissing and then like the camera rack zooms past them to see you in the corner. <laughs> to me scribbling furiously. And just exactly. Mm, a new, new direction for this chapter. <laughs> Seems it's going to be a murder-suicide. Um, if your parents had read this novel about your bully, mm-hmm. would they have been concerned about you in other words <laughs> did did physical harm come to your bully was she did she die in the end i don't uh, but i'm you sure know, it was I, in I a funny way i didn't finish it i didn't finish it so i was still in the process of i wasn't gonna let her get off that easy yeah i was still torturing her in the novel of course of course yeah. four chapters of torture <laughs> i love that you wrote a novel and i think you told me mm. or you have a story to tell about getting something published when you were a kid. Yeah. Oh, so I was always a writer. Yeah. And I I loved to write when I was a kid, but I also would write because my mom forced me to enter essay contests. Yeah. Fairly often. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Do do you feel like she forced you? Or was she responding to the fact you're writing all the time and why not? That was probably it. Okay. She was probably trying to nurture a talent. But did you feel she's a little, well, not a stage. What's a stage mom for yeah. an essay writer, I, a, a desk <laughs> mom, does an agent, a pen and inkwell mom. Yeah. <laughs> well, so my mom would often find these essay contests and encourage me to <laughs> enter them. I never, <laughs> essay and, contests. And they were, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like in the newspaper and stuff. Right. And right. I don't know why Parade magazine. there used to be, yes, there used to be essay contests and yeah. it would be like, you can win, you know, a $100 savings bond or something that right. I do have a $100 savings bond that I think is now oh. maybe worth $100. It's matured. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh no, you, went, you entered this two years ago. I'd love it if she still made you do them. <laughs> That, how do you think I got the Conan job? Right, right. So she had found this essay contest right when we had moved to the central coast of California. Mm-hmm. And it was why I want to conduct 
the San Luis Obispo Symphony. And I don't think I ever had wanted to conduct the San Luis Obispo Symphony. That was the prompt. That was the prompt. But it was an opportunity, I guess, to flex my bullshit muscles. Sure. And so I wrote an essay. Honestly, now that I think back on it, I was probably the only person who entered because <laughs> I cannot imagine anyone else entering this. Everyone else was like, pass. Yeah. How old were you? I was in sixth grade. Oh, man. Perfect age. And I had, for that we had one. just moved there. Oh, my God. From Latin America. What a way to gain instant popularity. Yeah. <laughs> right so, in the essay contest. Cut to. We know now that I won this. Yes, you. that's where you won this $100? No, that was a different essay contest. Oh my God, how many... But the prize for this essay contest yes. was that I actually got to conduct the San Luis Obispo Symphony. Really? Or the orchestra. That was... Did you know that going in or was that like a surprise? Yes, that was the prize, which was why it was so... I don't know why I entered... I think I didn't think I would win, and then I did, and then I was yeah. like, oh, now I have to go do this thing. Right. And my teachers, my uh, sixth grade teachers, took the whole sixth grade <gasps> to watch me do it. And you were a new student? And I was a new student, and I wore kind of weird clothes, mm. and I didn't shave my legs. <laughs> <laughs> and I was mortified that everybody was coming and nobody, it wasn't like I had friends. It wasn't like any people were cheering for me. Right. You were the new kid. And I was like in a different math because I was an advanced math. Yeah. And then I had to, now I'm conducting the symphony. Oh my God. Yeah. No wonder you had bullies. Ooh, you know what? Our producer just gave me a really good idea that we should have a children's essay contest to host inside Conan. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. And, and what a relief for us. What a relief. They can show us how it's done. But they have to have just moved to town and not know, they can't know anyone <laughs> in their school. Yes. They have to be an, a certified dork. Yeah. With no friends. Should it be one? It should be, and it'll be two we children. We get a replacement. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yes. I think we do that for the rest of the season. Uh, that would be great. So these are kids, it's homework and it's due tomorrow. <laughs> you got to get us off the hook. Let's jump on it. Okay. So have, if you're listeners, if you have children mm -hmm. of essay writing age. This would be great. I think so too. I'm very excited. Hey, you said we have a great show today. I did. I Let's said that to it. earlier this afternoon <laughs> when we started this. And uh, let's get right to it. Delighted to speak with this guest. She's a giant, giant Conan fan. Yeah. Maybe the biggest ever. She is a giant Conan fan. She is. She's even in the Conan Reddit thread. Which I found to be a shocking admission. Yes. And she'll, I mean, we'll let her tell this tale, but she gives credit to her, all the inspiration for her career to uh, Conan. Yeah, she does. And it's a really good career. So he should feel pretty good about that. Mm -hmm. It's Nikki Glazer. Yay. Nikki was one of our favorite guests on the TBS show. And uh, we talked all about her love for Conan. It started early in high school and how she prepped for her couch appearances and some of her all-time favorite late-night bits. So here's Nikki. I hear Conan and I say yes. 
And <laughs> exactly. the Conan fans who I'm guessing listen to this podcast probably already know me as as one of you. I'm active <laughs> in the, the Conan subreddit. Yeah, what's your... Oh, are you really? Conan being awesome subreddit. That's another subreddit. Is There's the Conan and there's Conan being awesome. Um, I'm active in both. And you are not going to tell us your handle. Well, course. I have yeah. a secret one that I post on as anonymously. And then I also have Nikki Glazer, which I will switch over to when I'm like, people need to know this is me. <laughs> but... When I do my other nefarious things, that's uh, on the other handle. But um, yeah. So you're a troll on the Conan is awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I get in there. I, you know, I think I talked about it on uh, Conan needs a friend, but like I will correct, you know, jokes or because I'm very, oh my God. there are certain jokes I remember so well that the wording needs to be correct. Cause I know the thought that went into the wording, oh, I love you that. know, and, and that's always been yeah. a thing of the writers on the show. And also Conan himself are just, uh, you guys are really good with words and you choose them wisely and it's just meticulous, uh, joke writing. So I, so you're like a well, actually queen in the land of well, actually, yes, yes. <laughs> I am that, but I do it with love because I know other, not because I'm like, they would want me to stand up for them, but because I'm like, no, 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 actually it was better than we even think. And you know, like th th there's just certain things like that, but generally I'm just watching old clips that come up and just celebrating oh that's great the show that really has brought me so much joy and throughout the uh, my whole life at this point i feel like the, my the life that matters well what kind <laughs> of clips do you watch it there like are people finding old stuff and you know there's old stuff on there for sure and a lot of interviews and a lot of um yeah. i'm trying to think of the one there was one recently you know honestly i'm someone who like kind of likes to go back and just relive the things that i already remember you know in the, yeah. the moments that I'm not as much as like wanting to find new things as I'm like, I just want right. to have that nostalgia moment. Be a teenager again. Yeah. yeah. And there's certain things that I'm waiting to reappear. Like I've mentioned it before, but like the, one of the most formative bits for me ever was, um, the alienated pigeon channel, which was on, you know, the satellite. Oh, right. <laughs> right. That to me was the funniest thing I'd ever, and babies remin. it was on a Conan five year anniversary special that was okay. on primetime. And my dad right. recorded it on VHS and I did not know who Conan was at the time. That was probably 98. I was in eighth grade. I wasn't really aware of late night. And my dad, I remember said, girls, you like have to check. This is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. And so he re recorded that and man, we became just obsessed with that tape. I have it memorized, you know, the whole thing. And sometimes I go back and watch it, but Aww. I remember that doesn't exist. I can't find the alienated pigeon right. channel, but they did a compilation of all the best satellite channels that they used to go through. And it was babies reminiscing. And it was like right. little babies going through photo albums in front of fireplaces. <laughs> and or like sitting with, on a park bench, I think. <laughs> yes, right. And just, yes. yeah, just staring wistfully <laughs> into like some blowing leaves. And then the, an another thing, like this kind of the same joke, essentially alienated pigeon, like putting these pigeons in situations where they look, right. one was in the back of a limo staring at a group of <laughs> pigeons that wanting to be a part of these pigeons that were like pecking at some seed and they lower the window and then it like slowly goes up and the pigeons like right. trying to keep looking up and then it goes oh all the way God. up. And I actually talked to Brian Stack about that yeah that specific bit and he said he to me i remember writer. trying to get that pigeon to like look out the window and like i was so happy when we got that shot it was just so amazing to hear that side of it so you were already doing inside conan podcast before uh, yeah. it was a podcast i mean i have like. something actually amazing <laughs> to share i'm gonna go get my car washed and i'll be back <laughs> well i mean there's so much i haven't 
uncovered because I Mm -hmm. once I got into Conan in eighth grade, I was watching it every night I could. But, you know, I wasn't like recording it. Couldn't really go back and watch things. But I would say that and it was every night I could watch it. I would say, though, in college, it was every single night, no matter what. Wow. You know, if I missed it, I felt like I was missing out on putting something in my brain that was going to make me be a better comedian, which by the time I got in college was when I started wanting to be a uh, stand up. OK, my freshman. I wanted to be a comedy writer before that for like a month before uh-huh. that. I wanted to be an actress. And then I realized I was bad at that. And then <laughs> like really bad. And I, I, you know, I always wanted to be famous right, like as right. a child. Ever since I saw Jennifer Aniston and Friends, I was like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and I had my life already set. I was like, by 25, I'm going to have. My- I just want an apartment. Yeah, that yes. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted, I mean, I wanted uh, to have a will they, won't they romance Mm -hmm. with a guy who didn't deserve me. (laughs) I just always wanted, I just thought I was going to be on that track. I thought that, you know, by high school, I was going to be doing commercials. 25, I knew she was 25 when she got friends. Oh, wow. I would have a hit TV show. But then I got to high school, (laughs) didn't get cast in any of the plays. Um, I, I conquered my fear of stage fright in seventh grade, which was crippling for me. I used to shake so much that I would have to give presentations like during recess. My dad would have to call and ask the but teacher. you knew in seventh grade, this is something I, I want to conquer yes. just because yeah. if I'm going to be famous. Yes. It was such a bummer. Because it's the only way to be famous. Yeah. It was wow. like, because sixth grade was when my anxiety started of uh-huh. talking in front of the class. I would shake so much that I would make all of my presentations glow in the dark so that the <laughs> that I would shut off the lights so oh I could get the presentation brilliant. and they wouldn't see me shake and my teachers it always worked until one teacher yeah. told was like how about you give the speech with the lights on and then we yeah. turn off the lights to see your diorama why are we talking about Alexander Hamilton in the dark <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why the JFK assassination needs to be with a black light yeah. but um, it's just you get the splatter in a different way yeah. um, so I remember Mrs. Tucky kind of foiling my my plan then. And uh, that's Tucky. when I switched to um, giving presentations at recess because I just, you know, the social anxiety, this was 96. Right. It wasn't like a thing kids suffered with and you could kind of get a, a free pass on. And I remember it reached a point where I really wanted to be on stage and be a performer. And I couldn't understand like how people could do that. And I, I just knew it was this fear I needed to conquer. And um, that's so interesting. Yeah, that you simultaneously were like, this is the thing that right. I hate the most, but also, is what I will need to be successful. Yeah, it really doesn't make sense. And I can't honestly think of any analogy for it. Like, it's like wanting to be a pilot if you're scared of flying. But why would you want to be a pilot if you were scared of flying? Like, that's the thing. (laughs) I think it's like I wanted, really, I wanted love. That's it. Like, I wanted, (laughs) that's what it all comes down to. I mean, (laughs) I feel like for... People who want to be on TV want to be famous, which was the goal. Like, I'm not going to lie. I wanted to be famous. I wanted someday to be in a restaurant and have people be like, oh, my God, that's Nikki Kleiser. I wanted to hear my name in whispers and anything. I don't care about it anymore because now I actually like myself enough. There was such low self-esteem that I just needed strangers to like me. That was just the goal. And that's what I thought, you know if I was on friends, something like friends, then everyone would like me no matter what. And it wouldn't, that was just love to me. Not, I came from a very loving family. I don't know. You know, my dad exposed me to Conan. He was looking out for me. I love your dad. He's the best. He's pretty awesome. He really is. He exposed me to like all the coolest things I'm into, like Wilco and Conan and the Beatles and like everything that I like. That's cool is my, is on account of my dad. But well, can I ask, so Nikki, so you said you started doing standup in like when you were 18, basically in in college so was that i just can't believe that that you went from 
like I'm shaking in front of people auditioning to I'm going to do stand up. When I got to um, high school, I found another friend, my another friend, best friend, Taylor, was also obsessed with Conan. Uh And it became like, you know, I wasn't really into boys, sports, couldn't get in plays. Uh, You know, you're searching for an identity Especially as like a white person, you have no culture. You're just like, you just want anything (laughs) to make you interesting. So I was into Dave Matthews and Conan and that was who I was known as. And that's the girl I was in in high school. And so that was when it started. And then for stand up, I just got to, I auditioned for all of these theater schools, didn't get in any of them. And it was really embarrassing. I went to school, University of Colorado, just being like, okay, I guess I'll just be an English major because I had AP (laughs) credit. And I was like, I'm fluent. I'll go into that. And I also, I mean, it's part of my story, but I had a raging fucking eating disorder. And I was on, I was literally on death's door. I looked, I looked like it could have been in the Diary of Anne Frank, you know, sequel. (laughs) Um, Like when I was walking around campus, it was bad. And I had no friends really because everyone, I looked like I was a skeleton and and it was clear like this girl needs to be in a hospital. And I I didn't know what I was going to do because my dream of being an actress, I knew I was not good enough and I didn't care enough about it. And then I had a joke for one of my first jokes was because I had to address the fact that I was thin uh, was, you know, you lose enough weight to be thin and then your rib cage starts showing through and it's horizontal stripes and it's like so fattening. <laughs> and, um, but it was like, it was oh about <laughs> wanting to be okay. So I'm not talented enough. Well, what if I got as, what if I got thinner than Jennifer Anderson? I mean, at the time she was a very thin person. Yeah. So that was part of the motivation. And then oh. it just became about like, I just want to die. Honestly, I was yeah. so obsessed with becoming famous and feeling like I just was special and had a talent that my dream of being on TV someday wasn't going to happen. So I was just like too scared to kill myself in any other way that I was like, I'll just like do it this way. It was, uh-huh. it was pretty much a, a suicide attempt over a very long period of time. Right. And yeah. then I, but when I got to school, my freshman year, I was just a corpse walking around campus, just praying every night that I would just die in my sleep. Cause it was just, it's hell being hungry all the time. And you literally can't eat. Yeah. It's just the weirdest thing. And it's literally a disease it takes over your mind. Uh-huh. And I think, because I was so thin and no one wanted to be friends with me, I had to develop a personality so big that you wouldn't, it's like, you know, the class con is usually someone who's like the fat kid or whatever, because they're Mm -hmm. don't look here. Look over. I'll, yeah. I suddenly developed a sense of humor. I mean, my, my friends were always the funniest. I was always surrounded by hilarious people. I was never the funny one, but I had to be just to, to make friends. And then I started hearing you should be a stand up comedian. Yeah. And it never occurred to me. And then I Googled it. I saw Sarah Silverman. I saw her on Conan, actually. I have it memorized that whole appearance that she did when she was like probably 19. Yeah. Right. You know? Oh my God. Just like with her converse, like sitting like mm-hmm. this, like in the chair with her <laughs> it up on the thing. <laughs> I'm like, Conan, oh, I'm so excited to be here. You know? Wow. I just used the uh, <laughs> the men's room. That's perfect. Because the women's room is out of service. And uh, I don't recommend it. I got water all down my back. And like, I, like Jokes like that. Some jokes I didn't even understand, but I just saw her and I go, okay, that's it. And also she's talking to Conan. My Like right. this is a type of thing that might even get Conan's attention if I'm good at it. Yeah. And so that's when. You can wear comfortable shoes. Yeah, yeah, you, can, yeah you can be, you can be a comedy writer and also act. I think that was the problem I had with acting was it was. Mm not my being myself. Mm. And right. I was already so not wanting to be myself that it felt like almost giving into that tempt like it felt I don't like acting because I want to or doing characters. I'm very uncomfortable with it because 
maybe because I already felt like being myself was a character. So why am I doing this other right, thing? And right. I just wanted to rebel it's a mask and be, on a mask. Yeah. And so I, I just did it. I just, yeah. you know, at that point I was so on death's door. I, you just, I had no fear. And so I just started writing jokes as soon this girl, it seems like it's out of like my little like lifetime movie. But I remember my, this one girl that was in my dorm that constantly was like, you need to be a stand up comedian. She ran in my room one day with a, slip a paper that was like, you know, a comedy showcase. And she just like slammed it uh, uh, on my desk and was like, you're doing this. And I remember being like, okay, well, I guess no one else is. Cause you stole the fucking flyer to like for <laughs> you to sign up. And I, and it was like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Fine. And I signed up and I did it one time. And thank God I had friends there who laughed a lot and it was the best feeling in the world. And yeah, yeah that was when I was like, I called my dad when I got off stage. I was like, oh, this is what I want to do forever. And also, um, I got to figure out a way to start eating because I can't mm -hmm. do this if I don't gain, if I don't figure out this disease. Yeah, I have. you were like, I don't want to die anymore. Actually, yeah, honestly, it, w it was that. And it's kind of sad to admit that it has to, my impetus for like living is fame or like this what craving being good at something, having, finding a talent, but um, it isn't anymore, but it, that's what got me out of that for sure. Yeah, I mean, finding what you really wanted to do probably just... Yeah, yes. that's fulfilling. I still talk like this because in the beginning I was ripping off Sarah Silverman. Right. And this, I knew that that was the thing she did that made me feel funnier. Use, and now your it's hands just me. That's the way I talk yeah, now because, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, you sound like musicians are always like an amalgamation of their favorite musicians. Right. So. Everything is a derivative yeah. of something. It's not at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember just talking about like influences? Um, and I know you're watching Conan... Besides Sarah Silverman, were there other things that you felt like you were kind of absorbing as a budding comic from late night? For some reason, those satellite channels really got me because it was just so weird. weird. And it was just yeah. like you could just tell people were just in a room saying the weird, dumbest thing they could think right. of. And they were like, let's do it. Stock and block in. <laughs> Inappropriate. And then like, boom, and then like the right. frozen and then. And just kind of gross humor too. I mean, masturbating bare, like as a young person, it was an intellectual way to take on really immature stuff. That's what I felt. Yeah, like yeah. it was like both can be true where I knew like this smart was- smart fart jokes. Yeah, I knew it was smart. Yeah. For some reason, I, I clocked, this was different. This was written by adults who were smarter than me, but it was also honoring the stuff that I loved. And I think- <laughs> I always go back to like, I think people say women aren't funny because I always, I think that part of it is because when we're little girls, like making fart and poop jokes, that's kind of like your arsenal. That's like your toolbox for comedy when you're young. Mm -hmm. Right. When you're six. Is poop and farts and goo. And when you're <laughs> a little boy, that's all like, okay, well, that's silly. Boys will be boys. But a girl, yeah. you do a poop joke and people are like, that's just, you don't talk like that. Yeah. And it's more about shame. So you don't get to develop a sense of humor because it's not, it's, it's shameful as opposed to silly and you know, oh boys. Yeah. That's interesting. And I felt like for the first time with Conan, you know, this is the first time I'm realizing this, Yeah. the thing that I was told I needed to be, I could still be while also um, being gross. But the thing that I wanted to share with you guys that is like yes. such an inside Conan thing that I think you'll love that I don't think yeah. I've told anyone on your side of things, but you're, I think you're going to love that. I hate to like, yeah. you know, sell it too hard. <laughs> okay. So 
I have been with, uh, I, I'm, I'm currently dating a guy that I dated for like eight years ago for like, you know, we were together for like three years, like kind of my first like serious boyfriend. Oh. And we, oh boy, we broke up for five years and then uh, we created my show, not safe together. We met, he's a TV producer. And um, yeah, part of the reason I got along with him so well was he just, he loved the same type of comedy as me. And so we, we both really loved Conan and talking about our favorite bits and it, they always aligned. And I was just felt like, Oh, what a special connection. So we, we got, we were kind of getting back together this past summer and it was his 40th birthday on September 5th. And it was in this weird stage of like, are we, aren't we like, should I even get him something crazy good? Or like, I don't know, but I wanted <laughs> to do something special. Cause I do care about him, but we were still like, what are we? I'm not his girlfriend. Yeah. And his family was going away to um, like, they were up in a cabin in like in upstate New York and I couldn't make it for it, but I was going to send in something that he could like screen for them. Really. I just did it for him, but he ended up screening for his whole family. So in the early stages of us kind of getting back together, we're in bed, like, you know, just on our phones, sharing funny clips. And we started going down a wormhole of Artie Kendall, the ghost crooner bit. Uh-huh. By Brian Stack. By Brian Stack, yes. And we just would watch compilations of it. We're constantly quoting it. We're constantly singing it. We're just like, this is the funniest thing we've ever seen. <laughs> Sending it to people, trying to get people on board with like, we need to just like get this out in the zeitgeist again. Uh-huh. And I got the idea. What if, cause I've talked to Brian Stack, like on DMS on Twitter, uh-huh. just over the, he's such a, he's like the nicest man alive. He's so it's, nice. It's, yes. it's, people say that about people all the time. Yeah. But Disturbingly like, nice. It's yes. upsetting. Yes. It's upsetting. Yeah. So <laughs> I wrote to him and I said, and he's always kind of been tickled by my love of of particular bits of his. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't even know they were his bits, but he's written right. me and been like, I can't believe you remember Alienated Pigeon. And he told me, you know, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I wrote to him and I go, I have this idea. Uh, would you play the Artie Kendall character again over Zoom? And if I wrote you a song to sing as the character and it was good, if you thought it was funny enough, right. would you do like a birthday song for my you know, the pseudo boyfriend who is a huge fan of yours. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I know you're busy on Basically Colbert. A cameo. Yes. And I said, I'll pay you. And he was like, <laughs> Poor man's please cameo. do not pay me. And I was like, please let me. He's like, no, no, no. He's trying. He goes, I absolutely will do it. I trust whatever you write. And I was like, right. oh, well, this is going to be finally I'm, I'm writing for like a Conan bit. It's like yeah. out of my dream. Uh-huh. I like kind of create. <laughs> so I wrote this song And I wrote an interaction for him and I to kind of go through it where I start the video where I'm like, hi, Chris, happy birthday. I'm sorry. Can't be there. And then I hear like, ba, 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 boo, you know, (laughs) ba, ba, ba. And I go, what is that? Yes. And then he comes in and I had it all edited and I had him sing this song and it's filled with, you know, horribly racist, antiquated stereotypes just right. like the like the original it would always go in the we should explain what yeah. the, the bit was he, yeah oh please yeah he was a ghost of a crooner from the 30s who used yeah. to sing because in rockefeller center in the studio where we did the show and he's kind of like a bing crosby guy like oh no one wants to hear my little ditties and <laughs> yes. then he'd sing and it you know it was the most it was stuff from the 30s so it was sexist racist yes true to period women shouldn't be allowed to think right they should just be mindless zombies dressed in pink (laughs) with a ribbon in their hair and a catatonic stare and some strong perfume in case they start to stink stenchity stew and then conan (laughs) would go stenchity stew (sighs) and so i wrote this whole thing and then brian did it and then I had my friend recreate the jingle who plays piano Uh and like Uh do the whole thing and we put it all together (laughs) and 
so my 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 boyfriend's family's like very like not they're his mom has never seen my act like they're not allowed to yeah (laughs) they're not allowed to watch anything i do because they're just like very catholic and right so i had to kind of write it to fit in with that but they screened it and i was watching my boyfriend's face because he has no idea i even know brian stack like this whole thing was like how could this guy that did this in the 90s This was not even a possibility. So it was one of the best. It was the best gift I will ever give. And I'm watching his face as he watches it with like 10 people in the room with his family. And he's watching me be like, hi, like, I'm sorry I missed your birthday. And wish I could be there. I just love you so much. And like all of a sudden, ba 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 And he goes, no. (laughs) And he's like, ba 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 And then his ghost slowly comes into frame. He goes, no. Wow. No. And his face, I I record his face. It was just the best reaction. (laughs) Tears. And he he was like, I can't, I can't handle this right now. And I he he um called me back later and he goes, It's the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. He was like crying and it's it was oh. it was the moment where he was like, It was the most loving gift that I've ever received that just hit every note. You wrote it specifically for me. It was yeah. I'm trying let me see if I have the lyrics. Cause I wanna I wanna read you maybe one of the things I wrote, because that could be and fun. Yes, please. That's when you broke up with him. Up with <laughs> Uh, okay let me just see if i have the okay so it would always start with like he's like oh you know i wrote a little ditty uh, here's a little ditty i wrote in 1929 lots of people lost a lot of money back then and i wrote this little tune to cheer them up and i said okay great let's hear it oh the market crashed and now the poor live in the street they're desperate for things like shelter food and heat they can't afford a a log so they burn the family dog and gnaw (laughs) his bones in case there's still some meat scorchity pup and then (laughs) slowly and i go my god that's terrible he's like too nostalgic eh well (laughs) what about a sweet little song i used to sing for the ladies and i go a song for the ladies okay that sounds nice I just hope it's not like the last one. He goes, no, don't worry. It's a charming little ditty. Oh, women should be stripped of every right and chained up in the basement every night. They should do as white men say, just clean and cook all day and be put to death if they learn to read or write. Bookity gal. (laughs) And then it goes on to, let me just read the, I'm just proud of myself for writing this. I hope this is not boring to you that I'm reading a fucking comedy script that you guys are like, yeah, we've written a million of these, Nikki. You want a fucking blue ribbon? I was like, well, that was the worst song I've ever heard. And I heard Uncle Cracker on the Arch this morning. Okay, so my boyfriend works on a radio station called The Arch. <laughs> and uh, he goes, to a B-Day. And I'm like, no, it was just offensive. He goes, well, maybe your husband would enjoy it. And I said, I don't have a husband. Uh-huh. Now, can I please ask you to leave the Zoom so I can finish my birthday message to my friend, Chris? Uh-huh. He said, you're friends with a man? Does his wife know? I say, he doesn't have a wife. Unmarried, eh? <laughs> so he must be a young man. Let me guess, six or seven? <laughs> no, he's turning 40. And unless you have a birthday song to sing, I think you should go. <laughs> I actually think I have the perfect song. It's actually a birthday jingle I wrote for my great-grandfather right before he passed at the ripe old age of 33. But I can change it up a little bit for your elderly boyfriend. What's his name? I said, it's Chris. And he's not my boyfriend. He's actually my ex-boyfriend. And it's he goes, now you're just friends. And then it's a joke about us being complicated. And so this is a song that he wrote for his grandpa. So, oh, Chris keeps inching closer to the grave ever <laughs> since he had to free his favorite slave. But he's a good old-fashioned man, a founding member of the Ku Klux Klan, the road to racial <laughs> hatred he did pave. Biggity Gramps. And then he just says, happy birthday, Chris. Oh he heard that with his family? Yes! Oh my God, yes! that's great. They were just relieved it didn't mention my, you know, hastily packed suitcase. Uh, you're full of so, yeah. um, <laughs> But it was, for, it was a dream come true for me too, wow, because it was like, that's awesome. we're getting to, you know, that was a, 
yeah. a bit where you just fill in. Right. Like, and you fully produced it, too. Yeah. yeah. It was, and I've never done you that before. I've, yeah. You're going to get Writers Guild residuals. I hope. Yes. I, you know, it was really Smart kind move. of doing my little. Um, you know, like a make a wish of like being a Conan writer for myself because (laughs) although I've been on Conan, there's like, there's a certain prestige that comes with the title of Conan writer that I, I just have a, you know, I, I think that's like the highest echelon of comedy writing. (laughs) Uh, You and Veep, you know, like for me, that's Veep, 30 Rock Conan. It's like, that's it. That's the, that's the big league. So for me to be able to take a, and that was really just filling in You're the trying blanks. Trying out new material. I mean, it was just like, it, that's a, for, you guys oftentimes have like formats that are just tried and true and you just plug in highly specific, hilarious stuff. Shh, don't tell people this. But yeah. it was cool to It's be called able to- doing the same thing again and again and again. <laughs> that's what we love. I lo- I love the, it's called I've running out of ideas. I've never heard it put in such complimentary terms. I know. No, but you guys. incredible formats. You know that. You run I mean, into the ground. You, yeah, you basically are doing Mad Libs, but those adjectives you pick are different than other shows. They're they're, they have more syllables. Mm. You know, I'm not kissing your ass, but you guys, this is, you're the top tier. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. The show's off the air. We can officially say that you're an honorary Conan writer. Um, <laughs> I will take that and show up in the next room. You guys all form wherever you're going next. I mean, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, it's been a fucking honor to be in that world. And when I come by the show, to just get to you know Brian Kylie and Lori Kamartin are you know I've always I've known them just from comedy, and they always stop by the like. Uh-huh. I remember in college, like 
we got Andy Blitz's number somehow. Like my friend's friend. He was a late night writer. <laughs> yeah. Somehow got his number, maybe just from the New York phone book at the yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. And we called him just to be like, we cannot believe we talked to Andy Blitz, like <laughs> the guy that does the claps in the audience, the, you know, the, he, the chanting guy. Yes. The chanting guy. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about your first appearance on Conan as a stand up? Cause that was your, I mean, you've been on a million times and you became a, a guest, a couch guest, which is yeah. a level up. But yeah. your first time doing stand-up on Late Night, or no, it was on the TBS show. Yes. Is that right? Yes. yes. Um, what was that? Yeah, that must have been surreal. Was that your first Late Night appearance or no? No, it wasn't my, my first Late Night appearance was actually Leno before Conan came. So it was real, I was 24, but oh, wow. Conan to me was like, I don't like doing things unless I'm at, like I would never try to like get in because especially with Conan, it's like, I don't feel like I deserve to sit at that table yet. Um, and so I remember the booker JP working with me, seeing me at festivals, wanting to get a set together. And I would just not get back to him because I was just like, I just don't feel like I deserve it yet. Like I just, well, and you don't want to get your dream gig and then have it not go well or something. And then you're just, I don't think I ever thought I was going to ever, I still don't, you know, like that's the time where I kind of feel like an imposter is just in that, in in the Conan environment, because I just put it on such a pedestal that this is why I've been dodging, even getting to this part of the show where you talk about my appearances, because I just feel like (laughs) I I don't even want to talk about it because I realized that as soon as you get to it and I was like, Oh my God, why am I tensing up? It's because I don't even like to, I don't watch my own stand up. I am kind of embarrassed, even though I stand by it. There's some jokes I do that I really like love, right? but there's something about, you're very good at it. You yeah. should watch. I know. I you'd like it. I know. I got. <laughs> you'd be a fan. I. Know, it's just. It's so weird. Maybe you'd do impressions of yourself. Yeah. Maybe I would. <laughs> I expect other people to enjoy me, but I can't even watch. It. It's just such an ironic thing. But um. Yeah. That I remember JP telling me. You know when I did uh, a podcast with him saying like you were the only comic that I like couldn't you wouldn't get back to me like you wouldn't you were oh, wow. like, dodging my calls because I just <laughs> felt I, I'm not worthy you know huh. I but I had my parents come out for it when I finally booked it I oh, because they great. were just that's such great. an integral part of me loving Conan and oh. um I brought my little um I had my dad fly into town with my uh you know in the year 2000 book that I had from high school that I would <laughs> highlight oh the funniest God. And I would. That's where it went. Yeah, the, the, one, <laughs> the one copy that sold. I loved that book so much because it was the first time that I'd ever seen jokes written, right. like where I could study them and go, "I see why this is funny." Uh, Here's, yeah, like I could really treat jokes like math equations and i mm-hmm. you could go they are yeah they are and yeah. that's what i love about them is you go okay i know this element and this element how do i make this how do i connect these two and make it funny and it's it's just so satisfying but i felt like you look back at that that book and all my notes in it in high school in class and me and my friends you know circling our favorites and you just kind of see that start of so you look at that and go, that's someone who likes to write jokes. And like, I learned right. from that book. Yeah. And so he signed it and that was, it's this tattered copy. It's just like, Oh, the, that's great. And he was so nice to my family. And, um, yeah. it was just what, you know, one of those moments. Oh, and Conan, they, Conan met your parents back in the yeah, green room. He did. Oh, that's oh, so nice. It was so nice. And yeah. so right before the pandemic, I was on in the studio version. It was the last time I was on and it was the week before everything shut down. It was one of the last things. Oh, my oh, my wow. mom said Conan was the last person she hugged before 
ever like for years oh. and so she was like oh, maybe i gave him covid she was so worried for weeks uh, because it was oh. that time when we were kind of going into hugs well, like she did we? yeah yeah we had a surprise for you <laughs> tell mom he was very very sick um so he, yeah, that was the last, and he came back again to hang out with my family. And I have these pictures. My dad gets tears in his, my dad doesn't cry that often, except when yeah. the Rockettes are performing for some reason at the Macy's State Parade. Like, <laughs> it's the only time. And then totally when he normal Conan, and healthy. When he saw Conan, like, <laughs> being a fan of mine, it, like, really, we, we both feel the same way about Conan. And so it really is just, like, this, Aww. it's so cute to see my dad, like, so nervous to meet Conan, wanting to make a good impression, but with, like, tears in his eyes. He looks like he just has, like, an eye problem because he's, like, not <laughs> in indicating in any other way yeah. that he's emotional but it's so Has cute emotions. and he's, he's holding my little dog that I brought so he just he's like I hate that picture I'm holding this little dog and I've got tears in my eyes I look so just emasculated in front of Conan but it's such a <laughs> it's just a picture I will cherish forever is my dad like gazing at Conan oh, adoringly wow. and just being I love that finally someone made Conan look more masculine <laughs> <laughs> it was win-win yes. for all concerned yes 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 so it's um yeah it's it's that's been one of the best things about being, you know, quote unquote, making it is being able to bring my family along for these things. Mm -hmm. Like they, they're Bill Maher fans too. I mean, I've only done this for Conan and for Bill Maher in terms mm -hmm. of like, they have to be at this because they are the ones that like kind of got me into this person. And right. I, sometimes I think if my parents died, like would I keep doing this because I feel like all I do anything for is to be like, Mommy, dad, look, look what I did. I did it. Yeah. I totally. think that's a crisis that everyone goes for, through when they probably lose a parent is like, what's the point now? Like, yeah. And that's why I recently told my boyfriend, I'm like, you have to start caring about every fucking thing. I Like, you need to watch me on E! Pop News mm. daily and like text <laughs> me like you look beautiful. Like I need because my parents are so I, really I hope he likes this with... podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thankfully, my that's the only place my my parents like don't even really listen to those. Right, and I right. feel safe. They'll definitely Good. listen to this one. But yeah, uh, yeah, ha, ha. Well, you do four a week. Oh I my think god, it, yeah. Jesus! No one loves their child that much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! They've got grandkids now, so yeah, yeah I've I've fallen in the ranks, uh -huh. <laughs> and they've all got podcasts too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, my parents just met Wilco this. Oh, another Wilco was the uh -huh. the other the third thing. Yeah. So my parents got me into Wilco's similar way to Conan. Like my yeah. dad was just like, you need to check this out. And I kind of fought it because I was like, you always know what's cool before me. It kind of made me mad. Right. You're not right about everything. Yes. Yeah. And then I gave it a try and I was just like, oh, fuck. And I became obsessed. Like I'm <laughs> someone who goes hard and then it becomes yeah. my identity. And that was like 2008 for me was all I wore was Wilco <laughs> merchandise, like bumper stickers. Uh -huh. I just wanted to attract other Wilco fans and then uh, I would find sure. my boyfriend. But um, <laughs> I got asked to do carpool karaoke. Uh, uh, Rachel, who well, we used to work at Conan. Rachel oh, yeah. Whitley. Rachel Whitley. She's a segment producer she, on Late Night in Conan. She's great. So great. And I became She's friends great. with her through her yeah. segment producing and us having conversations about what we She's would talk about. She's fun to hang out. She's really fun to hang She's out with. She's really awesome. Fun. Yeah. So Rachel is now working over uh, for Carpool Karaoke, booking that. Right. She texts me out of the blue. I'm on fucking doing F-Boy Island too. And she's like, do you like Duran <laughs> nice Duran? And, uh, yes, it coming out this summer on HBO Max. Beautiful. She's like, how do you feel about Duran Duran? And yeah. I was like, I just, I don't really know them. I mean, I, it's just, I, Fine. I don't want 
to fake it. You know, I don't want right. to. I would yeah. love to do carpool karaoke, but first of all, I, I just I want it to be sincere. And I go, yeah. So I'm not you your girl for this. And passionate. luckily, they held out and they it. found someone who's. They said that they have never had someone as big of a fan of the artist as the one person they found for Duran Duran, and then also for me for it Wilco. was someone in Duran Duran. <laughs> Yeah, I was the drummer. But so you got to do it with Wilco. Yeah, so Rachel was like, okay, Unbelievable. well, I thought of you for this, but is there, like, are there people you would like? And so I gave her a very short list, right? three names, and I, I threw out Wilco, but I was like, they're too cool to do carpool karaoke. And then she came back and she goes, yeah, I, they're on board. As soon as they heard your name, they're on board. And I oh my blacked God. out. I didn't even, oh I called my, my parents right away. And I was like, we were all crying. Cause they were just like, they could, they are, <laughs> they worship Jeff Tweedy and um, uh-huh. have seen them, you know, dozens of times. And he's from kind of St. Louis area, which is yeah. where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and it was a weird thing because right after I got off the call with them, I had to go to do F boy Island two coming out this summer on HBO max. And I had to go to set and I, <laughs> it was too much for me to handle that. I, was doing this and I I forgot about it I chose to like it's a weird thing that I do sometimes when things are too exciting Right. it was almost like it was like a dream like don't even focus on it because it wasn't real Nikki and then like a week later I was like oh my god wait a second I'm doing like it's unreal that I I don't know even it's some weird cognitive phenomenon that I had not encountered since but I forgot about it and then I remembered and um, last minute I was like you know what I'm, I'm starting to do things on my own. I don't need to bring my parents to everything. I have a reality show right, coming out right. with them. Like, I don't want to be that girl. And then it was the night, it was two nights before going to Chicago to do it. And I was like, what am I, this is all I do this for is to like ha- bring yeah. my loved right. ones into experiences right. that are so cool. And they came to Wilco with me and I, they were just going to do this one part of it and be in the crowd at shot. And, um, uh-huh. but instead they like towed in the car behind and then the Tweeties like loved my parents so much that you reminded me <laughs> of it of like, uh, when you said the vacationing together, they literally at the end of it at, we, we, we quit filming and then they were like, do you want to come back to like, see the studio? Like, we know you guys are huge fans, like where we record everything. What? Oh my God. They spent an extra two hours entertaining uh, my family, showing us around their recording uh, studio, the Wilco uh, headquarters. Uh, and then they invited uh, me to the Solid Sound Festival, which is their music comedy festival. They're like, uh-huh. why haven't you ever done it? And I'm like, because I've been waiting for you to ask. So I'm going this <laughs> May. And they also were like, wow, my mom is texting with the Tweeties. Like, they're friends now. <laughs> with these, oh, no, with no, them. you have to shut that down. It's so I I couldn't believe and, and my parents are so cool that it was kind of it was kind of nice to watch how like the Tweeties kind of lit up like oh these are actually and Jeff at one point goes we should vacation together and I oh, it was it was a God. real moment and I was like I oh cannot believe what's happening here it was the it was the coolest thing that's ever happened to me but it, it felt the same way with like with Conan too like yeah m- when I got to talking with Conan especially on his podcast mm-hmm. I felt like oh we could be f- friends like right. he needs a friend yeah, and i absolutely. like he actually does need a friend yeah, yeah. oh my god <laughs> you know this was the dream was just being able to be real with people that i uh, just be friends with them you know yeah and um and it's happening i have always really been a fan of your couch appearances are always so packed they're great with- jokes and it's i and i don't know if you how much you want to go into like demystifying that process but i will you are always and i've because i've seen you on other panels too and you're always like you bring it you have so much material ready to go thank you do you prepare for these appearances 
I really appreciate that because there are a lot of times where I'll be promoting something and they're like, we don't really know if we can get her on the couch. And I'm like, I'm couch gold. Have you not? Like, <laughs> yes. I work at it. I'm not going to make yeah. one phone call with someone while I'm in the back of a car, you know, on my phone doing Wordle, half listening, uh, being uh, like, oh, uh, yeah, uh, I can talk about my dog. Yeah. I'm writing jokes. I put so much work into yeah. couch. Yeah. What, what do you want me? Even if no one knows who I am, at least it's going to be funny. Right. You know, I just don't. Yeah. You know, I'm usually second person on the show. There's not a lot of times where the second person is that much more famous than it just doesn't make sense why I'm not booked more. And (laughs) because I I agree. And the reason I'm good is because I put work in. I'm not saying that I'm good for any other reason than it matters to me and I care. Yeah. Coney used to have comic guests come on who wouldn't prepare at all. And he'd be. I don't understand it. And it it doesn't. Yeah. People can't be funny. You can't be funny in that condensed of a period of time yeah. and guarantee that it's all going to go well. I don't understand. Yeah. Like when I've done roast before, there was one time I did a roast and you would never know it because they edited this person's set to make it actually look funny. Mm-hmm. But this comic just had a couple words written down on a sheet of paper and was just going to wing it and like do oh, crowd work. Oh, oh and boy. I couldn't believe it because at the when I'm preparing for a roast, yeah, it's sleepless. It's like I always compare it to pregnancy where I'm like, remind me never to do this again. Right. Because I always <laughs> tell my friends at the end of it, I want to die. Like, it's I terrifying. hate this. I'm you're, so scared. You're a target, too, for everyone. So and it's, I don't even yeah. consider that, Mike, until I'm there. I don't even right. think because if I think about <laughs> no. that. Right. And that's a whole other basket of bullshit. You won't ship for two. Oh, weeks. my God. <laughs> right. Yeah. Th- yeah. That is something I save to deal with after when I'm like, right. don't have to worry about writing jokes. And then that, that gets, it's a whole other, you know, bag right. of sadness, but uh-huh. I don't feel like I deserve to be places. So I work hard mm-hmm. because to <laughs> mitigate against my lack of natural talent that I, you know, believe is, is just, you know, but then it turns out that working hard is, it talent. is. guess what? That's what talent mm. is. Yes. I read a book called the talent code <laughs> that blew my mind. And it's about how we attribute celebrities and people with talent to just having it out of the gate. Which is, okay, right. There's some savants that sit down in a, at a piano and they're just, they know it. Right. That, that happens. That is so abnormal. You know, That's the so Beyonce's, yeah. the, the Serena Venus Williams, the, the, um, like I'm thinking of examples they gave in this book of people that we just go, they just had it. Yes. There's right. a little bit of something in the beginning where someone goes, you're pretty, you have a knack for this. Yeah. You have yeah. a baseline. But everyone just has a yeah. fucking knack in the beginning at best. Mm-hmm. No one is just, yeah. it takes hours. It takes 10,000 hours. It's like yes, the Malcolm Gladwell least. thing. Yep. Yeah. And so yeah. I think I just realized early on that my obsession with, I, I, I will exhaust myself working is what my, innate talent is and so i'll just use that to to fill in the rest so it's something when i so when i get booked on conan for example i put it out of my mind until i get the call from rachel or producer and it's usually a week before and that and i put i put off everything so when i say hard work i mean i wait to the last second and then it becomes Right. All nighters. Right. Then, right like right, everyone. Right, right. So sure. um, that's normal. Yeah. So I wait till the call and before the call, I maybe jot down, uh, leading up to it. It's starting to like sizzle in my mind and my subconscious. I'm starting to be like kind of a bitch to people in my life because I'm mad at myself that I haven't given it much thought. And then suddenly things are popping up and I start going through my notes on my phone to be like, what are some new? B-? It's usually on Conan. It's a bit I definitely have not done anywhere else. And it's a bit that is probably at like 30 to 50 percent that I just have been lazy about and I, uh-huh. it'll develop to a hundred percent over the course of 
you know, several hundred sets. It'll just find its way. I don't usually write off stage because I'm lazy. Like I, right. in that regard, like I've just because I just know that's eventually I do so many sets that I know it's going to happen. But when it comes to Conan, it's great because I go, okay, this 30% joke. If I sit down and I work on it for 20 minutes, it's going to be a hundred percent. I just, that work for me is so excruciating that only right. something looming like this will get me to do it. And that's when I sit down and I start, that's when I fucking write Yeah, is when I have a Conan appearance. So I'll give her some germs of an idea and I'll kind of just like make her laugh. And Rachel is such a good laugher, which is such a key thing in a producer. I've had some be like, mm-hmm. okay, ah, you That's know, funny. and just right. trying right. to be too cool, you know, like right. I would be probably, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Or they um, don't even get it. Like they literally Oh my don't. God. Oh my God. Or they come with ideas and you're like, right. but that was a sincere Instagram post I made. That's not funny, you know? <laughs> and so uh, Rachel's always like, I have some ideas. Like I come through your stuff, but like, what do you right. want to talk about? And then she's like, mm-hmm. and then she usually actually has things that I go, whoa, I uh-huh. didn't even think of how that would be funny. Uh-huh. And then we come up with probably enough material that would be like five segments worth, you know? Like I always yeah, overwrite yeah. so, so much. Mm-hmm. Then we trim that down. And then I start going, I start booking sets. Like usually, you know, back, when I was living in New York or LA, I was doing three sets a night. I would make it, you know, three to five. And then I would just focus on that material. And I would say, I'm about to do Conan. Can I do this a little more conversationally? But then I think that was in the beginning. And then I would go out and I would just know it would be machine gun f- style. Because also, I'm not doing this for everyone, to be honest with you, because I just know that I want to impress Conan. Like, I want to have, mm-hmm. this is my Olympics. Like, I'm performing for my hero. Yeah. And I know that he's someone that has a really good work ethic when it comes to joke writing and, and doing things like this. He doesn't half-ass things. So I want him to sense that in me as well. So well, his writers have a good work ethic. <laughs> and yes, that too. <laughs> he has a good enforcing um, ethic and, and intimidation ethic. I think in the beginning, I just rehearsed it a million times, ran through it all throughout like the day mm-hmm. in hair and makeup. I remember just, mm-hmm. I remember so many times being in my dressing room at Conan and doing the the stuff for my hair and makeup people and, and adding last minute lines. That's always fun too, because, but it really, those were the times where I really like developed my chunks of material that later end up in specials where I go, why is that, that chunk is the best written. And it's like, oh, because you wrote it and you didn't just wait for it to fall out of your mouth on stage. <laughs> and then I think later on, as I got more comfortable in like my fourth couch appearance or like w- during the pandemic did it a couple of times on zoom. Uh-huh. I think after doing his podcast, it became, okay, I can go to some places that might not have like, aren't just like punchline of Palooza and might be a little bit more real. And I just saw this side to him that I was like, oh, maybe I can just be interesting or mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. And I also watched back my performance and I go, will you listen, bitch? Like, will you stop just like <laughs> railroading the funniest man alive? he's very generous with letting you just be you and laughing. Oh yeah. He doesn't need to talk. No. He's already said everything. He loves the break. <laughs> so many people do not let you do that. And they kind of are like, who are you stepping into my show? Right. And I'm intimidated by improv. I've never been an improv person. I get nervous doing things on the spot. I want to have a plan. And I know that Conan is very playful in that way. And I think uh, later on, I just was a little, I've been more comfortable recently with being like, let's just have, let's have a plan Mm -hmm. and know where the jokes are, but how much the things you like the most are when things go off the rails. 
of the interviews that I've enjoyed with Conan where right. he, you know, respond walks out of the room because something's so insane or right. Yeah. I think that just well, comes also with practice more of being comfortable, comfortable with him. Yes. Yeah. Getting comfortable with him and like, Oh yes, I'm, I'm so relaxed now. I, we can keep it looser. And None of this matters. It's like I, that. I, I remember having one appearance on it was at the beginning of the pandemic over Zoom. And it was my dad's office. I was living with my parents and it was my first kind of time doing a show from Zoom after things had shut down. And I had such deep regret about a couple lines I said that were stupid sure. things I said afterwards <laughs> that I, you know, because it was Zoom. I was like, can we pick up one thing I said? And right. I, I could just tell it was like annoying to myself and probably to him as well. And I just, I freaked out afterwards. Like I shut my laptop and I like was sobbing all day because I was like, I just embarrassed myself. I forgot to do this joke. I forgot. I was having this right just crisis of regret of missing jokes. I had planned. Why did I do that one joke? He said that one thing. And then I just like kept talking, right. like, could not stop replaying it. My parents are like, we listened through the door. Like it sounded like great. <laughs> Your parents are yeah. outside. I was, we were walking the dog <laughs> afterwards. It was like, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon and I'm sobbing in the middle of Harwood Hills subdivision. And my parents are like, Nikki, you need to get it together. Everything was <laughs> yeah. funny. And I remember it was, it was this is about something else. It was so <laughs> about something else. And I yeah. started researching regret because I could not stop mm. overthinking about why did I forget that joke? Mm. Why did I say that one thing? Yeah. And I had never related to people who, you know, those memes that are like, when you remember that thing you said in seventh right. grade and, and you're wide awake in bed. Mm -hmm. I've never done that. And, you know, being mentally ill during the pandemic, I was starting to right. be focused on this dumb thing that, and then it aired later that night. And I couldn't watch it. And then I was kind of listening through the door the way my parents were. And I was like, <laughs> with, with wait, that was funny. And then I watched it. I was yeah. like, that was great. And it was fine. Yeah. It's really bad. But it really helped yeah. me because I went and found a lot of resources and meditations and yeah. YouTube videos mm -hmm. and talks about regret because it was something that was taking over and ruining my life where I couldn't celebrate anything anymore right. because there was always something I could find where I go, why did you say that? Yeah. I think that was a big pandemic thing where people you're the normal life flow and distractions and interactions were all taken away all gone and so yeah you're kind of left with th th these little things like oh i forgot a joke loom much yes. larger during the pandemic yeah every interaction means so much more i was crying so all the time and i i i wish my parents were outside the door yeah <laughs> no i bet you i know it's so that's so true because like when I went home and lived with my parents during the pandemic because I wanted yeah. mommy and daddy, I was scared. It was honestly that kind yeah. of, you know, I slept on my parents' floor till I was in eighth grade. I was a scared child, scared of everything and Aww. really have attachment issues with them that I've kind of bubbled up during this podcast. But that, that was exactly it. And it, you know, before we started recording today, we were talking about my podcast. I do it four times a week. Mm. And I just realized that's why I do it is because if I did it once a week, I would overthink it. Right. And mm. I would, I would, it would be leading up to it and I'd be like, I'm not ready. And I would feel bad. Like, how can you not get ready for a thing you do once one hour a week? Right, right, like, How right. could you not be prepared? Right. Look at your you life. Start beating yourself. Yeah. So instead, iHeartRadio came to me and was easy, like, do you want to do a podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> iHeartRadio asked me to do a podcast. They gave me amount of money and I go, yeah, can I do it for the same amount of money and do four a week? Like I asked for this because <laughs> right. I know that if I have one, it's going to ruin my life. But for if people yeah. complain about one of my podcasts, right. I go, well, you get four. So what are you complaining right, about? Right, right. Like right. it's such a defense mechanism to keep me from, you know, the, the, that little girl with low self-esteem coming in and, and mm -hmm. taking control. So 
Yeah, you're giving people their money's worth. Uh, you th- you think though, but it's like you can't <laughs> complain because I'm working so hard. That's the thing. It's like yeah, it's, if it's a less quality product, there's more quantity. So what are you complaining about? Like you don't have room to, and and there's also no room for me to stew about it because I got to go do another one. Yeah. In fact, this podcast yeah. today, doing with you, we've helped distract you even further. I would have freaked out about right. this. I was just telling my roommate yeah. Andrew. I was like, yeah. my day is this, 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 and he's like, Jesus Christ, and I go. I would be so freaked out about this Conan podcast right. if I didn't stack it like this. But with this, it's just another thing. And it's just like, keep yeah. the train moving. And we're going to do this again tomorrow, <laughs> Nikki. So <laughs> you could talk about we, anything we didn't get to. We're doing four days a week with only you for the next well, five months. It's been such a pleasure. You guys are so funny. Thank fun. you. No, we're such fans of yours. Yeah. Likewise. All right. Thank you, Nikki. That was fantastic. Thank you, Nikki. Oh, she's a great guest because she does so much of the work for us. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited about this new show she's working on. That Yeah, with her parents? I know. Her parents sound great. Yeah, it sounds cool. Hey, we have a listener question. Yeah. It's a voicemail. Hey, Mike and Jesse. This is Brendan calling from Ontario, Canada. And I have a question about a character that used to appear on Late Night Back in the Day. It was one of my favorites. Uh, he was Artie Kendall, the ghost crooner. That's played by Brian Stack. Um, I just sort of had a question technically about how that worked. Obviously, as a ghost, every time that Artie appeared, he had this sort of ghostly, transparent uh, quality to him. And I was just sort of wondering technically how that worked. Was Brian standing in a different part of the stage in front of a, a green screen? Uh, any insights you had to that, I would be, uh, I think it would be cool to hear. Uh, love the podcast and keep up the great work. Wow. That's so crazy that Brandon asked about Artie Kendall on the day that we talked about that with Nikki. What a coincidence. That is a coincidence. This is not planned. No, no. This was just the only voicemail we got this week. Right. And we didn't know about Nikki Glazer's obsession with that Artie Kendall character. Mm-mm. Uh, absolutely not. Unless so, this, unless Brandon in quotes is from, <gasps> is actually Nikki. They're the same. It's coming <gasps> from the same. That's a good question. It is a good question. It's sort of the technical specs right. of how we created a ghost character on right. the show. He was a ghost, semi-transparent character who stood right next to Conan's desk. And... So the question was, A, was he standing there in another part of the studio? He, Brian Stack, who played the character, was standing right next to Conan's desk. Mm-hmm. And the way they would make him transparent is before during the commercial break that the camera that would shoot Artie and Conan standing next to each other would get in position and lock. It would lock down its position so the camera couldn't move. Once that was done, once they had that backplate, he would just sing live next to Conan at his desk. Yeah. And in the control room, they would half kind of dissolve away that shot of him singing live. And he would kind of disappear yeah. against the background shot that they already, the backplate, and they would just dissolve him away. So the audience was just seeing Brian Stack yes. in real life, in standing real life. next to... Conan. I mean, the, the live audience was seeing right. that. But there were so many monitors, you know, they're, they're like TV monitors everywhere. So I, th- I feel like the studio audience is always kind of watching it live, you know, kind mm-hmm. of half and half watching the monitors. So they they could kind of um, enjoy looking up at the monitor and wondering, hey, how'd they... I mean, I would be curious, like, how did they do that? You know, it kind of looks like magic. Yeah. 
But I also love that he was there in person as opposed to having to patch in right. a recording of him or, yes. or have him in front of a green screen in another part of the stage. Right, which sometimes you would do if, if something was more elaborate. But, yeah. but, but literally, since the whole conceit was he was a ghost at, he was a ghost next to Conan's desk, then you didn't need to have a separate green screen. Yeah. If that makes sense. One thing that I learned when I first started working there was Conan and Robert Smigel, when they created the show, um, had a really, I think, a good sense of old kind of showbiz, old, like putting on a show, like putting on a live show. And they, they'd often think of, hey, how can we let the live audience kind of in on how we're making something? Yeah. And have them see kind of behind the scenes. The magic. Yes. And only if you're in the studio audience, you get to see that magic. And sure enough, that would kind of get the crowd more into the bit because they kind of understood that what they were seeing wasn't on the monitor right above them. Yeah. And so it, I think it made it more special. And they also enjoyed the comedy bit more. Yeah. I was remembering a bit that I did a few times that, or that I had written right. um, where, it, I mean, it's kind of hard to explain, but essentially it would involve freezing Conan mm -hmm. on the background. And then he would kind of step behind himself, behind the frozen yes. version of, him, of himself. Like different versions of Conan different would versions come out of Conan. to the side and comment yeah. on the frozen Conan. Like different personalities almost. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and the way we did that was with a green screen that would come out during, I guess it was probably during a previous bit. If it was a, okay. If it was a pre-tape bit, right. then someone would bring out a green screen right behind Conan. And then he would make that happen live. Right, and just freeze multiple times. And then keep multiple freezing times. multiple yeah. times, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, whenever, whenever you're doing something like that, there's also always a lot of mistakes that can happen because yes. uh, there's so much timing that needs to be perfect for the effect to come off. Right. So that was also fun was there would there would usually be some sort of mistake that Conan would comment on. Yeah, exactly. Like I, he, he was always great at that, at knowing him getting to comment on a mistake would just elevate the comedy and the fun of the bit overall, usually. Yeah. And I mean, I think he, he personally loved that too. It was just having the opportunity to sort of yes. deconstruct everything that was going on right. for the audience. No, he'd love to make fun of like, you know, you know, we're doing this on a $10 budget. And yeah. at the local feed store and everything's going wrong. When actually we had a pretty sizable budget. Oh my God. But it didn't help. Quite, quite substantial. Just incompetent people in charge of it. <laughs> a lot of nepotism. I'm just talking about myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone else was great. Well, hey, I think we answered that question. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for well, the question. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, Brandon. And I'm glad that our show is being heard in international spots. Right. All over North America. Yes. Unless it was Ontario, California. No, I think it was Canada. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, if you guys have listener questions for us that will perfectly correspond to the interview that we are airing. Mm, dovetail. Please send them in. Inside Pod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail like Brandon. Yes. 323-209-5303. Clairvoyance on your part is a must. Yes. That's our show for the week. And, That's uh, it. And, Just that. Only that. <laughs> oh, is there something else that I'm forgetting? I don't think you're forgetting. I think you're just teasing. Just a little foreplay. <laughs> oh boy, now we're, we're edging into a new... <laughs> 
we're, we're edging. Oh man, we started out, it was so innocent. I know. And now it's... It's not sexual. Of course not. But it is love. We love you. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell. Produced by Sean Doherty. Our production coordinator is Lisa Byrne. Executive produced by Joanna Solotaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. Engineered and mixed by Will Beckton. Our talent bookers are Gina Batista and Paula Davis. Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. It's the Conan Show. Put on your hat. It's the Conan Show. Try on some spats. You're gonna have a laugh. Give birth to a calf. It's Conan. This has been a Team Coco production. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.